0: Welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast that covers everything there is to know in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, best club in Europe, best club in the world for that matter, but we're a little bit biased. I'm your host, Brian Sanders. You can follow me on Twitter at KCSGE. You can follow the show. That is at H-E-F-Pod. Email the show. That is Frankfurt at Yahoo.com. And I'd never do this show alone. You can... Find me uh, and everyone else in this landscape. But uh, back, by popular demand is Mark in New
1: York. Hello, Mark. Hello, Brian. How are you? Today? I- I'm really surprised about the popular demand, by the way. I was getting a lot of wonderful messages, So thank you, everyone who wrote me a nice message about me being on the show last week. I'm happy to be back.
0: Yeah, Alrighty, We got a lot of stuff to talk about. So I say we don't do anything other than get right to it. Eintracht Frankfurt, dry. Freiburg, no. no. Uh, just, uh, just kidding. Uh, we did concede <laughs> one. But hey, you know, not too bad of a way to return to Bundesliga action. Eintracht was, was able to get three goals in the first half. And yes, it was the big three.
1: It was, <laughs> just, it was just such a dominant performance throughout the entire match. And, and honestly, it was kind of like what I was saying last week. I predicted that we were going to be such in such strong form because everyone was at that training in Florida. So we haven't skipped a beat from normal training, you know, from the first half of the season into the winter pause, into coming back to the Bundesliga.
0: It's amazing how they basically just showed up and just punched Freiburg right in the mouth. Granted, I will say Freiburg also tried as much as they could to uh, keep things lively. And hey, credit to them because, you know, the fact that Eintracht was able to put three away in pretty rapid succession in the first half, it really kind of didn't leave all too much room for a major comeback. First goal coming in the 36th with Atler and the 45th with Rebic, that goal was uh, that was a peach of a goal and then Luka jovic taking uh, advantage of his uh <laughs> of his just absolute good luck what was that uh the central defender kosh who uh yeah. kind of gave that away, one away to him and you know jovic kind of put good opportunities like that away let's Dv, stay off of the goal scores for a second. Let's talk about uh, Rode and his uh, return to the eye tract, Returning to the starting lineup, in addition to that, I really liked what he was able to bring. I was kind of surprised that he was thrust into the starting lineup oh so quickly, but the fact of the matter is, you know, we were able to get... 72 productive minutes out of him when I would have thought that it would have been Jonathan de Guzman, that he would have been replacing
1: not the other way around. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. I mean, he was all the way downfield. He was all over the place. He made himself very available for balls to be sent to him. I mean, he really put his body on the line Uh, leading up to Halle's goal. There was a moment where Rhoda is running down the field and actually dove outside of bounds to keep a ball into play from going out for a goal kick just to try to keep, you know, play going. And that is something that you don't see often from a player just who just shows up from loan for the team. Granted, he was with us before, you know, returned to the Commonwealth back Arena. Great. But for him to just really just take complete advantage of the situation to really put himself out there and say, hey, I know I'm on loan, but I'm here to win and to continue what you guys are doing and have done. And it really gives me hope that that momentum can continue to move on to Europa League.
0: One would think that it will. And yet I would like to also highlight some other players who won't get as many plaudits. Uh, Trap played pretty doggone good, but Hasebe was probably the man who kept everything going in the defense. Yep. I wish that I wish to God that he was (laughs) twenty-five. Brian, we don't have time machine
1: capability yet. I'm sorry.
0: Because, dear God, he is a phenomenal player, and the fact that he is performing—look, he's been able to transition himself from a defensive midfielder sort of role into a center back sort of role with Dine Tract. And at his advanced age, it is shown that, that he's not only adaptable, but he's able to put that good head on his shoulders to work. And it, we're coming out all the better for it.
1: I think the benefit of having Haseb on the lineup is that he's just so composed. Like, you know, when you, you have players on the field and once the backline's being attacked, you can see some of the backliners and other teams kind of get a little frazzled or like shocked. Like, oh, my God, they're actually back here. Hasebe is always just okay, this is what we're doing. And he just points, and it's like he takes complete control, especially if like you know, Roos isn't in the game. He's just in complete control of what's going on in the back, and it's so great to see because like you know, guys like Gelson pick up off of that when Gelson has to backtrack or um same 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 with you know the rest of the team for that matter. Like he is such a like poised, composed, I guess since he's Japanese, I guess it's fair to say he's a samurai. Like the guy is just, (laughs) he has such like fortitude that he's just, no matter what comes his way, he's ready for it.
0: Indeed. Indeed. Um, Without going too uh, lovey-dovey about um, every single one of our players, um, so hard not but, to, Brian. Uh, yeah, no kidding. I'd like to give Andy Hutter the kind of uh, kudos that he deserves because, you know, we didn't have to see Rode. And yet he knew that to get him up to match speed by the time that we would start playing in Europe, he needed to get him, to get him right, you know, get him inundated with right there with the squad, get him in match fitness because, look, he he was underused at Bayern Munich and then went to uh, Borussia Dortmund and just sat there and rotted for like ever. And it shows he's got, look, he has the skills and you know Hutter knew that. Hey, look, I have got no qualms about putting you right into the starting line, despite the fact that Jonathan de Guzman has been just a beast for de Eintracht, And I think, Kudos to him for choosing this match as opposed to say maybe against Vitor Bremen this weekend. Uh, that uh, Eintracht will uh, put him uh, into you know the starting lineup. Then this is the right kind of team to put him up against. And hey, it's the coach's decision to fill out the team sheet and put the guys, the starting eleven, out there, and then you know put the seven on the bench.
1: That's all I, on him. I think honestly, with Rhoda's performance last match, I think. De Guzman's really if he wants to start, he's going to have to put even more out onto the field during practice to really get his spot back, because honestly, I would start Ruda this week. I mean, I wouldn't even think twice about it. He's just he was just so good last week. It's hard to say anything bad about his performance last week, but I think it's his spot to lose now.
0: Indeed, indeed. Let's take a little break, shall we? Uh, and uh, before we start getting our tune, our news notes, and then into segment three, will we be talking about uh, our match at the weekend? Uh, it's time for hashtag, what are we drinking? Mark, what do you got for us?
1: This week, I'm not being boring with my ginger <laughs> ale. I do actually have an alcoholic beverage. It is, uh, I'm actually having an Angry Orchard a uh, hard cider, crisp apple flavored. I've been drinking a lot of ciders lately. Um, I'm not sure if I'm growing an intolerance to um, beer, but the cider has just been a lot easier to drink these days, and it's just something refreshing before bed, you know. <laughs> there you go. And what are you drinking, Brian? I am sticking with
0: local. Uh, the se- the spring seasonal from Boulevard Brewing Company has come out. That is the Irish Ale, and I'm having a good old glass of that. And yes, it does feel like St Patrick's Day in your mouth.
1: What does St Patrick's Day in your mouth feel like, Brian? This uh, is a German podcast. We don't speak Irish. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. It's exciting uh
0: i'll just kind of leave it out there this is so sounds so generic but look it's got some look the beer's got some bite to it it's got a good auburn color you know it goes down really smooth i mean you can kick back relax talk about the tract, and enjoy yourself what's not to love
1: hey man that's the best way to do this podcast with a drink in your hand and talking with some friends
0: <laughs> indeed indeed We're going to break it up. Uh, This is the end of segment one. We'll be back in just a jiffy with a little conversation that you, Mark, had with a certain nine-track player. Stay tuned.
1: I'm with uh, Gelson Fernandez. We're here with Hey Andre Frankfurt Podcast. And uh, how was today's game? Yeah, it, was, it was a good game against a good team. I think uh, we've seen that uh, South Paulo's are good players. Uh, we, I think uh, we did well first half. We did well also second half. Um, and yeah, we had a better chance in the, in the game. So we it was a good win for us. Awesome. So now, do you think games like this are going to prepare you better for your upcoming Europa League Cup game against Shakhtar? Yes, because they also have Brazilian players, so we need to get used to it. Uh, I think uh, it's good to play against a team like this to see the level that they have. The the the, the pace is another type of football. Also, uh, yeah, uh, we enjoy this. Awesome. So now you guys have been here for a week, about a week already, correct? Yeah. So now have you guys no, in, no, no. no almost a week? Yes. Yeah? <laughs> almost a week. Okay, so almost a week you've been here in America. Yeah. Have you seen a lot of fans more than normal? Did you feel the presence of a lot of Frankfurt fans at tonight's match? Yes, uh, the, the, the fans, I mean, uh, we know that a lot of Germans are in Florida it's in, and uh, the fans came to us. It, this, is, uh, this is nice. We, we enjoy when it's like this. Uh, we played in a fantastic pitch today and uh, now we travel to, to Orlando and it will be a nice game as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. I don't want to keep you. No problem. Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks, Mark, for getting that little player tidbit while you were out in Florida. Uh, I wish they would have had some more. Opp- your hilarious story of uh, running around in Orlando trying to find your new cr- press credentials when uh, they said, "Oh, it's supposed to be good for both of them." It's like, no, it obviously is not.
1: Yeah, it, it <sighs> was an absolute mess. I it, but listen, still a great experience. And, and I wanted to thank all the players who took the time to actually talk, even though I couldn't record it. But at the barbecue to you know have a conversation and joke around a little bit. But uh, hopefully in the future, we'll be able to get some more sit-down time with these guys.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So let's talk about some of the news that has been coming out of the Eintracht camp. So Salcedo has left. Tetan has left. Uh, granted that you you did call it. Uh, yep. You knew that thing was uh, coming. Uh, and the stuff you told us off air uh, kind of <laughs> made it very much sound like, yeah, it's only a matter of when, not if.
1: So yeah, I was a little disappointed on the transfer fee. Not going to lie. I was actually hoping for a little bit more. Um, but, hey, he looks really happy to be back in Mexico. Honestly, uh, his Twitter pictures and you know the pictures with him and his family, you can't wish anything but the best uh, for Carlos. He was a great servant for the Eagles, and we will definitely not forget him wearing the Frankfurt jersey.
0: I totally will agree. Um, I had high hopes for him. Me too. The way things kind of panned out. Well, when it's kind of like when you change political administrations, considering we're Americans talking, right. Right. Uh, Shutdown's still underway uh, (laughs) as, as of recording. Uh, So, you know, when, Hey, look, coaches change all the time. Players change all the time. And it's just a matter of, you know, hey, look, you came into a good situation. We wanted to keep you around. The new coach was like, yeah, not, not as big of a fan. And hey, sometimes it doesn't doesn't work out. And he went to one of the teams in uh, the Mexican League who not only can pay him the money that he is deserve, uh, deserving considering his high profile, but one that will compete for titles within Mexico because sure. a lot of Mexican internationals have to deal with that if they are gonna be leaving the club in Europe, well the they can always land technically, yes, in Mexico, but you can't land at many teams. So was like, the Guadalajara is kind of bankrupt. Uh right. considering their size, you would think how is Club like, America's cheap. Club America is very <laughs> very, cheap. very cheap, despite the fact that they are cash. Rich. And then you have your Monterey clubs who each have a sizable amount of cash and he lands with one of them. So congrats uh good on you. Uh obviously the fans love you because of that reception was amazing. Oh God, and amazing. I wish you nothing but the best. And should you happen to face off against, I don't know, sporting Kansas City, my local hometown side in the Concacaf Cow Champions League, i will be more than happy to uh chat with you. All all also all sipping on some Boulevard uh, beer, talking about your time with the Eintracht interview. I would love to get in on, but let's get back to the kind of rumor mill. Uh, One player looks like he's going out. Marco Fabian looks like now possibly coming to major league soccer. But the question is, what's it going to do in the time in the meantime?
1: Here's my thing. Like, I still don't think he's coming to MLS. I think he's going to China, even though it seems pretty hot, his uh, interest in the U.S. It would be great. I think it would be a great move for him to go to the MLS. But I think even though he's, from my conversations with him, he wishes to be closer to Mexico. I think at the end of the day, that money in China is just, it's too large of a figure to say no. You know, it's one of those things where it's just like, can money buy you happiness? And for a lot of these players right now who are like in between clubs, yeah, it's a pretty easy answer. But uh, hey, listen, if Marco can make his way to MLS, whatever team he lands in is going to bring in a lot of fans. I mean, like I was talking to a couple of people at the Florida Cup games, just the amount of Mexican jerseys that were at the games because of Marco and Carlos was really impressive. Like these guys are legends for their country. So no matter where they go, they're going to, they're going to find success and fans. So, you know, what do you think, Brian? Where do you think he's going to go?
0: I personally think that what he will end up in MLS. I think that there's a lot of money in China. They do have like, been implementing a lot of new rules to try and restrict the absurd, like large amount of cash that is being spent on these foreign Europeans. They don't really necessarily care for that as much. The administration people, not necessarily the clubs who really just want to keep the fans, you know, in the stands happy. Um, I think what is best for him probably is a trip to major league soccer. And I think that Miami is going to, if, Miami uh, was enter, Inter, Inter Miami, Miami
1: FC. Uh, I know I so can't. We're not that. the
0: best of people when it comes to uh, creating new team names. Just saying. But Miami is MLS club. Uh, you know, should he join them? I think that would probably be the best move that he can make, because I don't think that there's any room. At either of the Los Angeles clubs, nope. Maybe there's room in New York. Well, but actually, he would fit forget. in with the New York vibe
1: as well. Don't don't forget, Brian. Um, rumor has it that the Dos Santos brothers are looking to get shipped out of LA. You know, so who knows? But the real question goes back to: why because they can't
0: stand Zlatan. But that's a in and of itself and another they're also thing. Not
1: playing good, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but what's he gonna do between now and then? If he he can't possibly think, wait till Inter Miami's in the MLS,
0: I think now he can't go back to a lot of teams in Liga MX because oh. of the kind of salary demands. We kind of mentioned the some of the clubs that he couldn't go to. Uh, he can't go to America because he is because he's played for. Cruz Azul, one of the, the other Mexican city teams who hate uh, uh, America <laughs> and Chivas in particular, and that rivalry, he would really rub a lot of people the wrong way by making that move. Right, but I think honestly, what he really needs, and it's a shame that you know Fenerbahce, or what's up with Şiktaş, who was after him? I can't remember one of the one of the two S, yes. one two, one of those guys from Istanbul. If he, if we can just find him a good landing spot, that I think will be the best for all involved. Because this is just dragging it all out, yeah. and now that he's in and of himself on an island alone, I just, I just don't think he would find no one. In, most teams in Portugal can't afford his wages. Uh, the th- the three biggins you know, won't pay him because they would look right. at him, think nothing. But, you know, I think a door will open. It's just a matter of where, Hey, maybe I would like a little bit of a South uh, of central American flair. I
1: don't know. Hey, who knows? I mean, they do have the office in, in the, in New York and they were at the Florida cup advertising pretty strongly. So who knows? Maybe that, that is something that they can, they may be looking at, but got to remember in most of the pictures that Salcedo was posting to his departure from Frankfurt, who was in those pictures with him? There was two people, very important people in those pictures, mm-hmm. Fabian and his agent. So if if I'm someone leaving a club and I'm trying to figure out my transfer negotiations, do I really want another player there? Do I really need someone else there at the dinner table when I'm speaking with my agent? Think about that for a second. Now, this may be just me being very conspiracy right now, but do you think that Marco is also speaking with Carlos's agent to get an idea of what the market looks like right now to see where he can possibly go in the near future? I, I think that would be so. safe to say.
0: I do think so. I'd like to – should something happen in the – basically, the next week. We only have another week left of this transfer uh, January transfer window, so – all sorts of stuff can happen in the meantime. Let's talk about guys who actually probably will come to Deidre as opposed to people who are leaving or have left the Uh Almani uh, Torre. Uh, he's a player for AS Monaco in France, Ligue 1, uh, Mali uh, International. has not played so much this season, but that's kind of neither here nor there because... Uh, Monaco has been an absolute shambles. You know, it wasn't that long it wasn't that long ago that they won the French title uh, away from PSG. In and of itself, a great accomplishment. But you know, they basically get the best players bought for bags full of money, and they just have been replacing players, replacing players. I think that Eintracht could benefit from a player who can play in a fullback role in addition to playing in a a central back role. And I think at age 22, especially since he's going to be out of contract at the end of the summer, it uh, might be good to look at him as a good option. Don't have not seen him play myself, but the thing is, uh, A.S. Monaco has been pretty good at being able to find talent. And move it on um, at the right price for them. It just happens to be that this might be the right price for Eintracht. So, hey, free transfer, can't complain.
1: Sure, I would agree to that. My only concern is just going back to the idea of having young talent on our team. Mm
0: -hmm. Is
1: he going to play? Is he just going to ride the bench? Because where the club is right now with. Europa League, potential Champions League berth, you know, is this kid going to play? If he's not getting playtime at Monaco, where's he going to get playtime with us? That's my only concern. And since Frankfurt, like we were saying before, doesn't have, you know, the U23 team anymore. What kind of potential playtime is he going to get? Who are you putting on the bench to make way for him?
0: That is a good question, and it kind of leads into one question that we got from Richard in Austin, Texas. Uh, he, And this is also a question that we're going to put to our guest a little bit later because uh, they have their own thirteen. Um, so Eintracht has not had a U23 team for a long while, uh, since 2014. Uh, is this a possible? Should the Eintracht restart the U23 team? Uh, due to the amount of players that the Eintracht has been sending on loan. I'm not against it. I'm not exactly the biggest champion of the U- the Eintracht U23 team. But I think that's mostly down to the fact that, you know, unless you are pushing for youth players to come through, then, you know, it's, it's basically just something that's just a money pit. It's like, how are the guys m- jumping from one boat to the next? Aren't the guy, but I would then come back with the argument that if you have someone who is in the U19s who is ready to make the jump and you're going to sign to a senior contract, you should be like, don't sign into a contract unless you know for a fact that it's like, not nah, you're going to be able to do a job for us and we see a great, bright future. And think of how many guys have been signed to these contracts who are basically just making it the coefficient. I want to actually see players who are going to, you know be a part of the uh, bench and then make themselves onto the starting 11 every single week. That's what I want to see. And I don't think that we would have seen it from the U23s.
1: Mark? Right. I mean, I think that we, we don't get to see much of our actual German players on the team. The few that we do have considering, I think, what is it, 80% or maybe, yeah, an 80% of our team is international. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting to see that if we were to have continued to run in the Pokal, what kind of team would we have been fielding? You know, it's it's a little alarming because if we are looking at the future, right? And Nathan was talking about it in the last podcast was, you know, concerns about not, us not having enough youth on the team, which is a concern. Where are we going to get them? When are we going to play them? Because with where we are at right now, and, and mind you, I have complete faith in Bobic. I do. I believe in everything this guy is doing with this club right now. It is just a little concerning with thinking about the future and what we need to do as a team to bring in more young German talent to Frankfurt. Now, if that's not our design and if our design is really to look more towards like Champions League and Europa League, you know, year in, year out qualifications and runs and okay, I get it. But at the same time, it's just like that wouldn't it be nice to make another run for the Pokal again in the very short near future? Because we have the talent to do it, and you know who knows how much longer we're going to have you know Yobic for. So it's there's just little things to be wary about in terms of like the the youth department, but we shall see what comes in the future.
0: Indeed, indeed. Uh, Richard actually had quite a few questions, so we'll kind of limit it to. Uh, well, actually, you were wanting to talk about uh this uh mark e- richard wanted to know what you thought of the esports uh bundesliga
1: eintracht team yeah so it's i thought it was pretty cool because i follow a lot of esports especially in new york um pretty big into it and i didn't realize that the bundesliga decided that they were going to partake in their own league and actually there's uh I think it's 22 teams and even teams that aren't in the first division have the ability of joining the league. So you'll have teams, uh, names I've never even heard of, (laughs) honestly, that are in this league that actually are performing pretty well. But uh, kind of tying into this match this weekend against Wiener Bremen, uh, who sit in the first place of the E-Bundesliga and Frankfurt sitting at a very humble 17th place out of 22. it's really exciting how they actually have the setup done and how the play is, because there's four players per team. Two players play at the same time. So like you have like your starting two, and then you have like two backups. And obviously they're playing together against two other players, which is different from MLS, where it's one player plays as the whole team. Now I'm still working out the rules of eBundesliga, because I'm not sure if it's similar to MLS's. Um, esports scene where it's you have to have two players from the existing team on your team, and then you can choose any other player from around the world to play under your, I guess, team name, right? Because they want to make it as even as possible, but with also respecting the team that you're actually playing for. And the teams that qualify or like win qualify for the World Cup. They do have a World Cup for FIFA, um, and Last year, it was really, really fun. There's representatives from USA, Germany, from all over the world competing in this. And it's definitely something for those of you who play FIFA or have friends who play FIFA to kind of just check out. They Frankfurt has their own Twitch account. I believe it's twitch.tv slash Eintracht Frankfurt or Esports Frankfurt. I, I got to double check that. Don't quote me on it, guys. But they do have their own Twitch page. So I already followed it. I'm waiting to kind of catch one of their games next time they're on with the time difference going on and everything. But it's actually pretty exciting. I like it.
0: Indeed. Uh, we have another question that has come out from Chris uh, Monroe in Detroit, Motor City. I uh, haven't worked uh, working in the uh, automotive industry. I have a, have a soft spot for Detroit. Just saying. So since Bremen beat Eintracht uh, with a certain late goal at the end of the <laughs> final match day. Escaping relegation, sending us into the play, playoff of hell. Uh, since that, since that, what kind of urgency will the Eintracht? What kind of spark has that incurred uh, for the Eintracht uh, since that day? To me, Chris, I think we survived with Kovac, and then he took us to he took us to two consecutive Pokal finals. And finally got us to win one. And needless to say, in this late May, I think that it was a culmination for us of years and years of worth of suffering. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing, you know, the hard work that was done. You know, we had to go through that relegation playoff from hell to be in the position where we can actually enjoy life. And I think, yes. You're right in that, you know, if it wasn't for that goal that then sent us into the playoffs and scared the hell out of all of us, I think maybe uh, 2016, 2017, where we had a good run at the top end of the table and also made it to the final before we kind of faded away, and last year, I don't know if the highs would have been so high, myself.
1: I think the best thing that came out of 2015 was that kit. <laughs> and that's literally all I can say about that year.
0: <laughs> uh, hey, I re- Hey, now I remember uh, the foosball God. Uh, good luck to him. Uh, yes, now that he State is actually yes. Um I remember him coming back against FC cone. When we had, I guess we started off with i Bay as the coach at the beginning of that season and him putting on, I think it was four goals against Cologne or was it three goals but he scored with like his very first touch and it was just a mark of how amazing that man was
1: <sighs> i mean oh, it, by the way speaking of um you know foosball god he did score a hat trick for st pauli didn't he recently in like his first game with them
0: wasn't that the test match though
1: ah uh, true it was but still hat trick nonetheless <laughs> yeah
0: You know, if anyone has a chance to uh, watch uh, some Zweite Bundesliga action, do take advantage of that. Uh, And if you happen to be in Germany, take advantage of the fact that uh, St. Pauli is going to be playing against Darmstadt in Darmstadt in just a little bit of time. And uh, yeah, just make it a big old party just for Alex because Wouldn't that be amazing that... Uh, they if they possibly went up, I know it's only on a six month contract, but just what if? Imagine that would be brilliant! That would actually be pretty freaking awesome.
1: That would be pretty awesome,
0: (laughs) indeed. Indeed. So that's gonna wrap it up for all of our news and notes segment. Mark, anything you want to say before we uh close segment two?
1: Um, nope, I think I'm good,
0: Brian. Oh. I do have a little bit of a uh, former player news. Do you remember Kevin Prince Boateng? Oh,
1: you mean the, the guy who is basically a mercenary in all of soccer?
0: He has gone around. He's switched a lot of clubs, but the thing was he evolved himself into very yes. much a more leadership kind of role player. Look, the guy who went to AC Milan and then to Shaka, that guy's, that version of him is gone. And, now, he, so he made it, so he went on that free transfer to Sassuolo. Mm-hmm. He did, has done so good that Barcelona themselves in Spain said to themselves, yeah, you provide us with a We definitely don't have, so we're going to give you a six-month loan and uh, with an offer of extra cash just to, uh, you know, just to make the deal permanent.
1: No, listen, I'm happy for him. I'm re- I'm really happy for him. He he's definitely worked his way up the rank. Even if he has to go through many clubs, <laughs> many trials and tributations, he's performed really well. I mean, what he did for us last year was awesome. You know, and, and not
0: be understated how important he was. And fact is, look, we if he didn't have a strong figure like him, I don't know if we win the final. Because I don't think someone makes that pass to Rebic and gets that second goal. Just saying.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you here, Brian. I mean, I'm I'm really happy for him. You know, obviously I'm joking when I call him a mercenary, but he's he's definitely deserved it. He's earned it. And listen, I wish him all the best in Barcelona. And I hope that they offer him something at the end of the next, this year.
0: Yeah, they kinda can offer him a Champions League crown if he really wants that if this he year. He really so. wants that
1: this year, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a Champions League crown, no <laughs> deal.
0: Yeah, it's not that big of a deal at all. All right, that's gonna wrap it up. Uh, segment two, we'll be back. Segment three will we will be talking about our match against Verder Bremen and a special guest. So for all so, stay with. Hey, this is Oka Nikolov and you're watching to Hey I Frankfurt. We're back. Segment three of Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt. So, in this segment, we will start talking about Eintracht Frankfurt versus Werder Bremen. A two, a lovely match every season, mostly because it's two traditional clubs and two traditional fan bases. It's a packed-out crowd. I'd like to forget a certain, uh, basically, relegation playoff, playoff uh, from a couple <laughs> years back. But, uh... Here's hoping that uh, this will turn out at least uh, for a good match for all to see. It's going to be on FS2. uh, Touchable match. So that's uh, uh, 12.30 p.m. on the eastern coast of the United States. And if you happen to be up for watching it at 9.30 in the morning on the West Coast, more to you. So from Radio Free Reasons, the only podcast covering Roberta Bremen in the language of English, just like ourselves. It's Patrick. Hello, Patrick. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, fellas. No problem. No problem at all. It's good to have you back on after a little bit of a hiatus. I hope things are all good on the East Coast. So, vertebramen coming off a nice uh, 1-0 victory over Hanover. And uh, kind of the way that uh, Werder would definitely want to start out uh, the Rukrunda campaign, just like the Eintracht with their own uh, victory. But um, talk to us a little bit about the season that has been for Werder You guys have kind of had a jolt uh, in the social media landscape uh, with Josh Sargent's uh, pair of goals and just a couple of kind of cameo appearances if you want to look at it that way. And uh, tell us a little bit what has made up uh, Werder Bremen for the 2018-2019 season.
2: Well, heading into the season, the club leadership set the season objective probably a little bit higher than a lot of the fan base was was expecting. Uh, Frank Bauman Florian Kofeld, they declared that qualification for Europe, the Europa League, one would assume, uh, was the objective for the team this season. Perhaps one, maybe two years ahead of what the general rebuild schedule was, I guess, in the minds of a lot of fans. Uh, Thus far in the campaign, uh, we're not too far outside of those uh, European places. Uh, Certainly the team is an improvement over recent years. I think the sense is that we finally got our guy when it comes to the manager, that Florian Kohfeldt is the real deal after a couple of false downs. And now it's a matter of getting him the tools in order to do the job, which may, of course, take several transfer windows. Uh, you mentioned Josh Sargent. He is one of those, well, implements of destruction that uh, Florian Kofeld has at his disposal. He, too, thus far uh, appears to be ahead of schedule. Uh, Florian Kofeld by his own admission, stated that a, his schedule to integrate Sergeant into the lineup, which he saw as aggressive heading into the season, would be implementing him, uh, or be integrating him, rather, into the lineup in the second half of the campaign. But as we saw, it was in the back half of the Hinrunda that he started to make those substitute appearances uh, at, uh, where, of course, he scored a couple of goals against uh, m- the most recent one coming against RB Leipzig, for instance. And, of course, with that, as an American soccer fan, you know, with the slightest hint of success in the European League comes the overabundance of expectation in a fan base that's desperate to be seen as a legitimate.
0: <laughs> Indeed, one I want to talk about one of your guys' major signs of this past season, uh, David uh coming in to Werder Bremen on a. For them, a pretty—I would say—a pretty sizable transfer fee that they were able to pry him away from uh, the Premier League team that uh, Shambles—that is, Everton—did not really come off after having a really good long-term run with Ajax. Yep. Uh, what can you tell us about this guy who's uh, been making waves with you
2: guys? So, club record signing. Um of course, coming in from IX, he kind of follows a similar model in terms of his career trajectory as did the Bremen uh, cult legend Diego Ribas de Cunha, who we signed from Porto after he had been a much vaunted prospect at Santos, another club, of course, noted for its youth development, made a made a leap to a uh, you say traditional club in the European scene, fell out of favor. Uh, with the management, never, and we were able to pick him up uh, for a little bit of a discount. And of course, there are certainly analogs with Davy Clausen coming out of the IAC system, doing exceptionally well in Amsterdam, making the jump to Merseyside, the blue half of Merseyside, and then due to management changes, just not really. You know, he, he didn't really fit Sam Allardyce's style. It may surprise uh, no one listening to the podcast. Uh, so <laughs> certainly not a one, not a number ten in the in the uh, vein of Diego Rivas de Cunha, a little bit more of one of those withdrawn, uh, those hybrid 10 slash eight midfielders. We're seeing more and more in the modern game, Uh, but definitely a player that brings with him leadership, experience, and certainly poise in possession. And those first two tendencies, the leadership and experience have been, one of the hallmarks of Frank Baumans' recruitment policy for the club, where he would go out and deliberately pluck players that had experience as a captain of their sides. Uh, Nicholas Moisander being another example, another also former IX player, as well as Davey Klaassen, of course, who had captained the Ajax side.
0: So let's look at, you talked about the expectations that came off and you said that shooting a little bit more for the stars. Uh, when I saw that, I Bremen had kind of signed him. Uh, Nuri Shaheen also coming over from Borussia Dortmund. Now, I don't know how much is left in the tank. <laughs> I consider him to be, I thought him, ruined after, you know, uh, going to Real Madrid and flopping there, Liverpool not coming off. How has he been for you guys uh, since his exit from Dortmund to Bremen?
2: Well, it's all, well, sure. well it's all about what you're expecting uh, to get out of him, and again we talked about uh, the recruitment policy, having players that have been a leader, uh, that have that match experience, and you know you mentioned the clubs that Nuri Sahin has played for. You know, record speaks for himself. Uh, I, I am uh, hesitant to say anything positive about Dortmund. Don't get me wrong, but having played, a course, at uh, both Madrid and in Liverpool, he, he's got pedigree. Uh, you know, I, I joked around with my co-host Bjorn when we signed him. This is via you know, our ongoing uh, text uh, chat that we have saying, well, I suppose we signed him just so he could pass sideways. And, there, <laughs> and perhaps there's, a, there's an element of truth in him. You know, you're not looking. We, uh, Vanna Bremen, though, we ostensibly, we press. Our press isn't particularly high intensity. And we have a slot within our tactical framework to have a guy that sits in the middle of the park and just recycles possession. Let Maximilian Eggestein, let Davey Clausen, they've got the legs, they got the engine, let them do the running. Uh, Another thing, of course, uh, you have to note that Nuri Sahin provides an additional bit of cover, though he is somewhat fragile himself. He provides additional cover for Philip Bargfrieda, the, uh, the heart and soul of Edda Bremen, albeit a very uh, breakable one.
0: (laughs) You're talking about uh, kind of breakable parts uh, when Eintracht faced uh, Werder Bremen in the horrendous time of the season. Uh, Pavlenka kind of got shook up in one of those. How has he been perform- <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh Hell of a hey, segue. You, Brian. Hey, you guys
0: were able to. Uh, you guys were able to uh, come away with a win with a very nice free kick that made me just go. Ugh. Uh um what ha- for those people who have not followed his kind of career since he joined Werder Bremen I think last season what has Pavlinka given to uh Werder Bremen be-
2: between the sticks the best goalkeeper in the Bundesliga full stop there's my controversial statement for the uh <laughs> for the episode so Manuel noyer you know I Probably still the highest ceiling, but let's face it, he's been out injured. I know Lucas Hadrecki got excellent props uh, last year, and I know that Dem's fighting words here on the, uh, on a I don't for podcast. feel of a little course-
1: uncomfortable all of a sudden.
2: <laughs> oh, come on. You didn't want this to be all that cordial, <laughs> did you, my friend? Uh, so, uh, but dialing back the uh, the rhetoric a little bit. Uh, so what he does, what he does provide, if nothing else, is vet- he Vanna Bremen have a history of having solid goalkeeping, uh, if not perhaps always internationally famous, certainly club stalwarts and send uh, WWE legends. <laughs> uh, well, unfortunately, that was a an aborted career. I still contend that Tim Visa would have been a hell of a uh, dark horse candidate playing a wrestling uh, wrestling video game. But dark, dark
0: way, being the right thing, considering yeah, all the fake
2: tanning, it is a lot of fake tanning. But <laughs> as you mentioned, the, uh, since the departure of Tim Visa, who had one of the uh, strangest ways to cope with the pressure of being a professional, you know, he moved to uh, Hoffenheim because Hoffenheim could uh, afford to pay him the wages that we no longer could after we were no longer perennial Champions League club. Uh, he had a couple of bad performances there under Marcus Gisdol, and the way he started, he dealt with his anxiety was hitting the gym. And before you know it, he was a little bit too big and bulky to be a goalkeeper. Uh, so he uh, pursued uh, other passions. Uh, but at any rate, uh, Tim Visa, who uh, was certainly a, a solid goalkeeper, if not perhaps world class, perhaps the uh, level below. He was certainly a cult favorite uh, with the fans. And Since then, we've gone through this endless uh, cavalcade of failure between the sticks, and it, it's nice to finally have a guy that you trust implicitly.
0: Indeed. I would think that in terms of players that you can trust, is there any more trust that you can put in a player uh, aside from Claudio Pizarro or from a Verde standpoint?
2: Man, I got to tell you, you know, and all, all the English language Bundesliga podcasts out there, be they be league or club, Brian, you have the best segue. So I got to hand you that. Here. You're just something we can all aspire to here. Uh, so when it comes to Claudio Pizarro and, and trust, uh, you know, there's probably a little bit of hesitation uh, to when it comes to, you know, full trust when you're talking about producing on the field. And I think that's just part and parcel of him being heck about to turn 40 if he hasn't just turned 40. Oh, uh, no, he is. (laughs) I know that if he scores, I want to say it's uh, from mid-March onward, he will become the oldest uh, scorer in the Bundesliga history, a record that is currently held by another Vera Bremen player, Amirko Votava. Uh, But at any rate, uh, they trust him as a mentor, particularly to our young strikers, Josh Sargent and Johannes Eggestein. And... I think he he certainly still provides an excellent look for Florian Kohfeldt to use, having more of a, I won't, when I say stationary, I don't want to imply stagnant, but having more of a fulcrum leading the line as opposed to more fluid attack, sort of false nine uh, option that Max Cruza uh, provides. In fact, I think that it has been the ascent of Josh Sargent to being a viable option sooner than we have expected. That is decreasing the legend Claudio Pizarro's uh, playing time because they offer a, a similar look tactically for the manager.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So let's kind of get to uh, going away from uh, a man who all of the fans will consider an absolute legend. Let's talk about uh, this legendary season that you guys are having <laughs> um so far is it legendary
2: so brian that yeah, seems really? a bit hurtful i got i'm, I'm not look, gonna I'm, lie i'm looking at the standings well, It's a
0: legendary in the fact that you don't have the nor Derby for the first time oh. ever <laughs> <laughs> first start but we can make fun well, of the want on a court. all we want our own accord we uh uh, we can get right back to you know kind of poking fun at teams from the north. Uh, Hanover being one <laughs> of those teams that we just love to make fun of, as you rightfully mentioned. Uh, one nil victory on the road, you guys. Uh, first road victory since October again against Schalke Now it is Hanover, but um, I'm actually thinking that Vertebrand will put a much stronger will. Pack a lot of punch when it does come to facing the Eintracht on Saturday, mostly because at Viser's side, your points
2: have really come uh, at home. They have. Uh, Florian Kofeld uh, had a very long run of about a year from taking uh, from his ascent to the head coaching role where we were undefeated at the Wieserstad. And I think one or two games since then uh, we have lost at home near the end of the Hinru- uh, Hin- Hinrunda but but that said uh, the visor stadion has become you know a place where we can anticipate points which i think if you have any real uh you know chance of qualifying for europe you have to you have to make your home a fortress
0: indeed and hey after all if there's any if the, you're to ever watch a game at the visor side and you happen to be a hockey fan what's not to love especially when Vertebramus scores and they let off the good old goal horn that uh the foghorn. A,
2: a goal sure. horn that is uh, very similar to the goal horn of my uh, beloved perpetual failures, the St. Louis Blues. What
0: failures, are they
1: are, but we don't need to go into hockey. Um,
0: <laughs> oh, I could go into it for <laughs> agnosium, but I think that's going to be basically like ripping off a Band-Aid only for someone else to scream uh, by talking about the St. Louis Blues. Though, if it does make you feel any better, Patrick, at mm. least the Blackhawks suck.
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> chicago's still there though
0: yeah yeah they are so <laughs> let's talk about what we can expect uh, from vertebrae when now you guys cool. do have a, inter- a kind of busy time uh and i would say really all times are crucial for a team that's kind of mid-table you have a match against us so you have Nuneburg, away and then you have Augsburg and right in between two of the four relegation threatened clubs because that's where they sit in the standings. Mm -hmm. Uh, You also have an away tie in the DFB Pokal. Yep. Um, Let's kind of paint the picture. What can Eintracht expect from Werder Bremen, who's a team that uh, is going to have a lot of stuff going on?
2: Well, you play a top uh, top flight club, one of Europe's big five leagues. Yet at this point of the season, and a lot of clubs, be it Europe, be it cup competition, they they face having to uh, rotate, tweak, or at least, I, I, let's just put it this way. I don't think the schedule is anything excessive right now uh, at this stage of the season. Uh, heading into this weekend's match against Frankfurt, I think that, well, Billa, the squad relative has a pretty good uh, bill of health. Right now, I saw that Milo Rashivska was a past fitness test as has uh, Johannes Agestin. They should likely both be in the squad. Um, unfortunately, I'm not sure. Finn, fabulous Finn Bartles will be back uh, just yet. So you guys, you, you guys still have a chance. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> but, but anyways, at this point, I wouldn't, I wouldn't anticipate any chopping and changing from the manager in terms of uh, placing priorities elsewhere. And his press conference uh, today was it today or Was it yesterday? I can't remember. Florian Kofeld, the manager, uh, stated he puts a good deal of import on this game against Frankfurt as a benchmark as to uh, whether or not uh, this team uh, was really on track for that European qualification. I think that shows the, the high opinion that he holds uh, Eintracht as well. He ought to, uh, given how solid of a team they are, how well you all have done this year. And one of those things where if you want to qualify for Europe, you got to de- you got to defeat direct opponents in that pursuit and i think uh, both clubs realistically are shooting for the europa league uh, i understand you guys you know would still have a uh, pretension to the champions league and of course best of luck to you there um, no,
0: we'll just win the europa league and just qualify right. for the champions league that well, way leave the way open a slot for you guys to also qualify <laughs> for europe hey, hey you help out with that coefficient
1: <laughs> well, well, Patrick, just that jump coefficient. in here for a second here i'm actually sure. pretty curious um you mentioned before we got onto the show that you guys have scored a goal in every game this season so yep. far. Now, going against Frankfurt this weekend, you guys are going to come out pretty strong, I'm going to assume since you've only had one game coming up before this and it looks like you have a little bit of space afterwards also. What's the tactic going into the back line of Frankfurt in this match?
2: In terms of the method of transition into the final third, you're going to anticipate from us? Okay. Uh so as you come out of the midfield, man, it's a good thing I've been, you know, preparing for this question, you know, by mainline as a football manager this week, man. Otherwise, you'll know, be it'd be hard to you know really, you know, dive in here. So we got a couple of fullbacks that we're pretty proud of with the club. You know, one is a little bit of more of a cult hero, though he's been a stalwart. We have Theodore Gibber Salasi on the right flank and Ludwig Augustinson on the left. And the width they provide, uh, that's gonna be one primary vector of uh, Gibber Selassie tends to like to cut inside once entering the final third, uh, whereas Augustinson will t- tend to stay a little bit a little bit wider and provide some excellent, uh, typically excellent crosses. I, he did have an excellent counter goal against Mexico in the World Cup, which makes him a hero of mine for all eternity. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to that, I mentioned earlier, the, the tireless running of Maximilian Eggestein and Davy Klaassen, you know, you're going to have whoever the holding midfielder is. Those guys like to spearhead attacks. They love to play one twos along with Max Cruza, who will kind of, you know, go where the spirit takes him anywhere in the middle of the park to the flank, to hell into the defensive third, and just matriculate the ball down that field, uh, to quote a famous, uh, Coach of a different kind of football from Kansas City, where one of the hosts is from. <laughs> uh anyway, to get the ball enter the final third uh in, in that regard. I suspect that Max Cruzo will start leading the line. Uh, of course Yo Sako is still in the you know Asian championships right now. Uh Martin Harnick could be in line to start. He's a little bit more of a wider withdrawn striker, so pretty fluid. But again, uh, that's typically it. We have fullbacks to come forward to provide that width to get that option to enter into the attacking third. And we've got a couple of tireless midfielders, and that's usually our main vectors of penetration. Hope that answers your question, bud.
1: I mean, I guess we could take that as an answer, right? <laughs> no, no, definitely. Man. I'm actually pretty excited to watch what happens between the two clubs because you don't see a team that scores a goal in every game, for better or for worse. Well, it might just, or just be leaders. one game. <laughs> <laughs> one but, goal, rather. But listen, at least <laughs> yeah, sure. you guys have that attacking threat where you guys have the ability of scoring goals.
2: Well, actually, you know what? It's interesting you put it that way because the sense is if you look at our expected goals or the well, not expected goals, but you look at the chances created versus our conversion rate, and it is historically bad for this club. So the, the sense is that, yeah, though we've scored at least one in every game, who knows? Maybe maybe it's just uh, overly optimistic on our part, but the hope is that something's got to give. We're creating the chances. At some point, we got to start burying them. And whether that be this weekend, whether it be next weekend against Nuremberg, whenever the heck it is, uh, we're, we're definitely creating a lot of opportunities. And the hope is that we can get guys that will just finish them. And, frankly, that's one of the reasons why Josh Sargent's getting increasing looks because the boy's a finisher where some of our more story names have been fluffing their lines at the last attempt. Well,
1: well I definitely I think I can the ball for, in the back of the net. Yeah, I think I can for <laughs> Brian and I and say that. We hope you guys save those goals for the week after. <laughs> um,
2: we'll, but, get, we'll give us one. Would you we want
1: to keep the record going? Right, keep the record going, yeah. but as long as we are going to win, that's keep fine.
0: Nuremberg down, put Augsburg out of their misery. It's like you know they're just a lame. They are. They are a. <laughs> I look at them and they're always that lame horse that always
2: seems to just get by. Just put it out of its misery and just that, shoot it. It's worse. They're a bogey team of ours, man. I, I can't wait for them to go down.
0: Yeah, I, look, I would rather them. And if I had to have it, it's not going to happen this year. I would have, uh, mine's also joined those, <laughs> oh, mine's uh, kind of but that's for my own league. personal vendetta that I have, which I've been told that I'm kind of in my own little camp on that one, but <laughs> all being said, we'll kind of, uh, we'll get to our predictions now, but we'll actually kind of circle back to one question that was read out by uh, one of our uh, listeners to the podcast, which does kind of, you are in the perfect position to answer this, Patrick, about the reserve team. So by let's vir- kind of. Oh,
2: okay. By virtue of being a captive audience on Skype. Yes. Let us <laughs> go.
0: <laughs> there you go. So uh, prediction time. Werder Bremen, Eintracht, what do you got,
1: Patrick?
2: Whew. Well, I got to tell you, uh, I'm sure you guys will s- spend all the segment 1 and 2 talking about that much vaunted uh, attack that you uh, that you all are sporting these days. The Buffaloes. Yes. Yeah, there uh, the you go, the uh the crazy 3. Uh, I think Florian Kofeld, uh, granted that's translated from German, what he referred to them in, in the press conference. Uh we respect a, a a a Hydra, you know, a Hydra sort of attack uh, like you guys have along the, um, we respect it along the visa side, I should say. Uh, so I think there will be goals. I think the optimist in me says we'll go for a draw, but assuming, uh, I, I would actually go, you know, sitting where I am now, I would say, uh, two or three to one, uh, to the guests, uh, this weekend, believe it or not.
1: Take that. Mark. I'll, I'll absolutely take that too. And, and it's funny enough because of last week's prediction that I had made, I, After watching the game, I was actually upset with myself because I knew we would dominate last week. And we did, and then we scored 3-1. And I was just like, wow, I should have went for three. So this week, I'm actually going to go 3-0, believe it or not. I'm sorry, Patrick, but we're going to end that one goal a game streak on you guys.
0: (laughs) The thing is, I'm going with the same prediction line that I had last week where I called. Interesting. I'm uh, with a 2-1 victory because I just had a weird suspicion that Freiburg would not cease attacking and that they would get one. And Nils Purchison uh was able to get that. Uh I think he's a former Bremen player, isn't he, Patrick? He, he is indeed. Uh, Brian,
1: let me ask you a question before mm. we let Patrick go. Do you think this goal is coming out of the fact that we've lost Salcedo? Uh
0: no. Uh I think that there's other attributing factors with Salcedo. Leaving, I think that Eintracht's defense at present, I think it was just a matter of, you know, uh, with a comfortable lead like that and a team unlike Dusseldorf, who rolled over, played dead, and just said, uh, just kick us and we'll just wait for the pain to be over with.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was a great uh, match.
0: Which, yes, we still gave up a goal in on that one. Ugh um i i think that there's just something that i interact if we have a three and a lead we will turn off for just a second and want one goal of course then we kind of just stepped on them like you know a little ant that they are and uh get them off but, but uh you know that is what that Fair is enough. so we've made all of our predictions but the question from richard uh that came on facebook was that the U21 Germany national team coach Stefan Kuntz had said that missing U23 teams are costing German talent. As players graduate from under-19 level, they're often having to leave Germany to find playing opportunities. Uh, maybe some in the United States. <laughs> Sounds having familiar. A, exactly. Having a U23 team is no longer a Bundesliga requirement. Eintracht was one of the first clubs to know, dissolve theirs in 2014. Other teams who have in the Bundesliga are uh, that team in Leipzig and the pharmaceutical giant, Leverkusen. Mm. Uh, because you know, they are what they are, uh, should Eintracht restart a U23 team? We'll start out that conversation now, but let's give Patrick uh, his due because Werder Bremen was the most recent Bundesliga team to actually have the reserve side, the U23 side, actually participating in the third division, which is as high as uh, te- uh, teams like that can go.
2: Uh, yes, I think, uh, was it, the, the Drita Liga as it's currently constituted has been around for, was it, 10, 11 years? I didn't want to say this is the 11th season, and Veda Bremen have, have, have participated in the Drita Liga, had their U23s in there. Uh, th- uh, what is that, uh, seven of the 11 years, I want to say. Uh, now, granted, one of those years, we only stayed up by virtue of another team losing their license. Uh, so, so we remained a, in the in the third division. That was uh, oh heck, probably been pushing a decade now. Uh, but Werder Bremen, it is a core part of their club philosophy. You know, a lot of clubs I think have the idea of you know we're going to make stars, not buy them. But for vera they have put a great emphasis on participation in the Dritta Liga as providing an in-house opportunity uh, to have. Well, those players develop without having to to go on loan. And also something that has to be mentioned, it's provided an excellent opportunity for Vanna Bremen coaches as well. Now, it's somewhat of a meme at this point to where Vanna Bremen fired their head coach. <laughs> well, get, get, I know who they're going to get. They're going to get their U23 coach to come in, uh, as was the case, of course, with uh, Florian Kohlfeld, with... Um, uh, Alexander Nori and with Victor Skripnik before him and, and famously a long time ago Thomas Schaff uh, when he received that promotion uh, back in '99. Uh, again, it's one of those things where you know, I think a lot of clubs, especially with the way the economics of the game are going, are putting a, an emphasis on having youth talent, you know, you have the Chelsea model, you know, which is one way to do it, which is, you know, buy it all up and sit on it like an investment and hope to sell it off later. Uh, but Vera Bremen, you know, they they, are, they put a great emphasis on recruit, recruiting talent locally and giving it an opportunity to produce uh, at the youth level. That includes their U19 team, which is fairly successful. Their U15 team has been fairly successful in recent years, and of course, uh, that that uh, senior year, if you will, the the finishing school of our U23 squad.
0: So that's uh that's a current landing spot of uh, um, young American Isaiah Young from sure. uh, Berlin, New Jersey uh, had to uh, double check on that <laughs> where he was from. Admittedly. But I think that they provide a good opportunity. It's just a question of, is the club, you know, Actually, full flooded invested in promoting those players because you know uh, Bayern Munich. When was the last guy to come through there? Just saying.
2: Well, no, absolutely, And interesting a player uh, uh, from Bayern Munich that would be participating with their U twenty three side right now. Marco Friedl uh, was instead loaned out to us because obviously making that jump from them currently being in the Regional Liga Bayern, uh, that gap between there and the first team was going to be uh, pretty steep. So he's been getting some playing time uh, with us. Uh, I think it was an 18-month loan that we got uh, last January. You know, it's interesting. Uh, it's a pretty common refrain, it seems right now, in the sport, where you know you hear about it in the English press. You know, English Young English talent aren't getting the time in uh, the Premier League, so they're forced to go abroad to the Bundesliga. So maybe is it now a Stefan Kuntz's opinion? Uh, one, I suspect perhaps he's pro-Brexit. Uh, and two... Uh, <laughs> That perhaps it would be uh, better if clubs weren't going after you say your Jaden Sancho's or Callum Hudson-Adoys, and instead giving those U twenty one German players a shot.
0: In only a perfect world, I think would we be able to pull this off? But then again, we live in the United States of America, where we have Major League Soccer, we have uh, USL, we have MPSO, We got more leagues than you can shake a stick at, and we didn't qualify for twenty eighteen. Yeah,
2: yeah, you know, it is what it is. I, I think uh, we're gradually sorting ourselves out over here. And I think that as uh, the NCAA loses its uh, its prominence and the, the USL 1 and 2, really, uh, I'm sorry, USL Championship and USL 1, I really established themselves that you'll see the people in this age group, that 18 to 22 slot, get a chance for more reps, more minutes, and perhaps to do something. But that's obviously a digression uh, from your listener's question.
0: Oh, wishful thinking, wishful thinking, Patrick. Once again, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Where Thanks can, for having me. Where can, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Here's a question: Where can our listeners find you in the social media landscape?
2: Well, I'm not sure what your listeners would want from a uh, smarky, snarky, cynical Vettel Raymond fan on Twitter. <laughs> but should hey Bundesliga <laughs> is Bundesliga. That's Patrick. true, and it's amazing how much that community has grown over the years. Uh, the rest Thank of you, sure. Fox. <laughs> well yeah even before that but boy boy how times have changed uh so you can follow me at twi- on twitter at rfw um go ahead reach out feel free to ask questions anytime and thank you so much for having me guys awesome man thanks a lot
0: we say goodbye to another episode of hey I'm track frankfurt mark it's been fun having you back on we want to do this more often eh, so long as scheduling allows yep
1: and as long as people want to hear my voice
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that pretty much is a given at this point. We'd like to thank everyone uh who has been downloading the uh, Hey I track podcast. You can find us on Twitter at H uh, E F Pond. You can also find us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash H E F Pond for all things uh links to uh Ein news in the English language. And so we just put it up there. We also have links to our newest episode drops in addition to a uh, contest where you can win I interact Frankfurt swag because who doesn't like that stuff? <laughs> and, I like swag. Hey, you know, yeah, you've already won one thing uh, this year. I think True. you. Uh, I, <laughs> I've reached my cap, <laughs> <laughs> reached all that. Perhaps with the debut of the Eintracht Frankfurt Pokal win movie uh, that has been out in the Hessian area, perhaps we can get our hands on a copy Ooh, of that. Copy.
1: Wouldn't that Ooh, be that uh, would be nice?
0: Uh, wouldn't that be fun? That would be nice. And, and you saying. know,
1: maybe because you know, all of a sudden we have these EFCs popping up throughout the United States, or at least or at least attempting to form. Mm-hmm. I know Tom yes. in New Jersey was mentioning uh, getting some interest in the tri- tri-state area to get some frankfurt fancy so listen guys if you guys know people or live reach in the states out reach out to us so we can get you in contact with tom so we can get this thing going you know and then maybe it's we can throw like a nice viewing party and have a bunch of people to go watch the movie together i think that'd be a lot of fun indeed
0: i totally totally agree so Also, where you do wherever you do listen to Hey on Trent Frankfurt podcast, uh, give us a ratings and let us know what we're what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, so that we can get even better. You know, because hey, this is a podcast that is made by fans for the fans, and if you can't have a little bit of fun, what's the point? Where can we find you, Mark? In the social landscape,
1: you can find me on Twitter. My, I'm just going to spell my ha- my handle out for you guys. It's C-R-A-M-O-R-D-A-P which is my name backwards or if you read it phonetically it's Cramordap <laughs>
0: <laughs> There you go and you can follow me, Brian Sanderson at KCSGE on Twitter. So, big thanks to Patrick for joining us uh, to talk about uh, the eintracht Track match uh, It's going to be the top spiel match for Saturday um, S2 is going to be showing it in the United States if you need if you're looking for a last minute uh, option to be able to view it uh, just uh, send the message over to me and I'll try and help you out with whatever country that you are in so long uh, territorial uh, restrictions may apply just be aware so from all of us here at Hang On Track Frankfurt it's a choose
1: happy France, watcha la 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 Hey, la 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 la